We're glad to be here. We have looked forward to it, and it's good to see you, meet you. Give me about five times with each name. I might have it, uh, but uh, we're glad to be here. Uh, so I'm Ben May, my wife Jennifer. We do live in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. I am a recent transplant to up there, uh, being born and raised in Alabama, but uh, we, we enjoy it in Tennessee. Uh, it's been great, great weather so uh, lately, and it's good weather here. A beautiful week, looks like, for our gospel meeting. Now, we, we've been spoiled already. Before we even got here this morning, we've already, the Lewises have just spoiled us already. The, the Grange took us out uh, last night. Uh, Jerry showed us around. Uh, several places. Look forward to, to getting to know the area a little bit better. So we're, we're just glad to be here. I hope it'll be uh, a good week. I hope the things I have planned to talk about would be things that are helpful. Uh, welcome any questions or comments or suggestions, anything we can do to be of help this week. Just, just let us know. We're glad to do whatever we can. I, I appreciate all the things that you're doing, the things that you're um, doing from personal work to here to just appreciate you a lot. We've known Jerry since his college days, so uh, we're glad to spend uh, some, some time with, uh, with him and, uh, and uh, get to know his family better as well. You know, when you talk to people about the Bible, unless they have spent some time studying the Bible, they have a lot of different views about it. Uh, Sometimes I'll hear somebody say, well, you know, I just, when I'm going to read something, I just take my Bible, open it up, and start reading. And they don't know what the context is. They don't know if it's old or new. Uh, they, just, they just don't know. And a lot of people don't realize how the Bible is just really one continuous story from beginning to end. And so what I want to do uh, this morning is I'm going to be drawing from your Bible knowledge. to We're going to sort of have a Bible class format. So I welcome comments, uh, questions, uh, what, whatever it might be. And our goal is going to be to go through the entire Bible probably two or three times. I understand that you're using uh, Brother Waldron's study material uh, to, uh, and I don't know if you have, I don't think you have the books, but you're using the, maybe the outline of it or something. We're doing the same thing in Lawrenceburg. But I like the, the three-cycle approach that Brother Bob does, and I know he didn't originate it, but he really fine-tuned it. And so the Bible, talking about it being one story, is really easily divided into 17 categories. And I don't know how much time you spent on those 17, but we're going to go through them this time. Now, the Bible could be, well, we'll just divide it into two categories, Old Testament, New Testament. Well, then that, that's really too broad. Or we could take it and, and break it down to 80 or 90 sections, you know, take advantage of all of the books and divide some of those up. Then that's too many. If I were to come in here and say, okay, now we, this morning we're going to learn 89 different things. And you'd probably start tuning me out already. But when we break it down to like 17, and then we try to link those 17 together so that one of them leads to the next one, then it makes it a lot easier to learn. So that's our goal. That's what we're going to try to do. And so I'm going to be asking you to repeat back to me uh, these categories. And we'll start and we'll gradually add to them. And if you've not seen these before, I think you'll see that they make sense, 
that they do fit together in a way that makes the scriptures very easily organized and also where you have a sense of where things belong in the timeline of the Bible story. And so the idea of the three cycles is that the first cycle you learn the 17 categories. And that's pretty much what we'll do this morning. But the second cycle is that you learn the highlights of each of the 17. We'll do a little bit of that, most likely. And then the third cycle, we won't get to at all, but the third cycle, you learn where each category uh, begins and ends in the Scripture. Uh, and, and so we'll probably just mention one or two of those just, uh, just for reference points. But then the... Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask. I knew I had something I thought about asking. What time do we usually stop for this hour? Okay. Because, you know, preachers never go over time, right? <laughs> we, we, we just never do that. Uh, so... Uh, so let's, let's, let's think about then. The very first one is before the flood. Okay? Now, that's, that's one you just have to remember because it's not really a link. It's just the first one. But now, if I say before the flood, what might you think the next one would be? And usually, that's, that's what we say is after the flood. There's only one problem with that. Where are we now? We're still after the flood. So that's a little too broad, but that's, but that's the idea. We have before the flood. Okay, so we're just going to say the flood is next. Okay. So we have all the events before the flood. We have the flood. Now, when you think about, of course, before the flood, you have a lot of different things, of course, that are happening. You've got the creation, and you've got the first sin, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. But before the flood, well, then... As sin entered the world, because we do have the first sin there, that man became so wicked that God decided that he basically was going to start over, except, of course, for eight people. And so then we, so God decided to destroy the world with a flood. And so who, who all was in the ark? Anybody? Yeah. And, and we only know, I mean, how many of those eight People, how many names do we even know? You know, ladies just typically, the, just the names were not given. So we know Noah and Shem, Ham and Japheth were, were in the ark. And so when the waters receded, the ark landed on top of Mount Ararat. And then the people from there migrated and they come to the, to the land of, uh, in, in between the rivers, you might say, in the Mesopotamian Valley area. But they had a, a major concern because they did not want to lose track of each other, you might say. They didn't want to be scattered. But God has said, I want you to go and replenish the earth. You know, it's destroyed with this flood. There's only eight people. You need to go and replenish the earth. They didn't want to do that. So what was it that they built? Yeah, built that tower uh, there at Babel and determined, I really think the idea was, as long as we can see that tower. They really weren't trying, I used to think they were trying to get to heaven. No, they just built it up into the sky. They called the skies heaven. And they didn't want to be scattered. And that's what, lest we be scattered. So what did God do? He scattered the people. 
That's the next category, the scattering of the people. So what was the first category? Before the flood, and then what? The flood, and then what did God do? He scattered the people. Now, from that point in Genesis, we start the next category. It's going to take us to the end of the book of Genesis. And so as the story unfolds then, you get into chapter Genesis 11 and then into chapter 12, God starts dealing with the heads of the households. And what do, what do we call those people? Patriarchs. patriarchs, because patriarch means what? Means father rule. Or... Okay, so we have the patriarchs. Well, what was the first category? Before the flood, then the flood, then scattering of the people, and now the patriarchs. That's a pretty good outline of Genesis because now we've gone all the way through Genesis. So as God is dealing with, with the patriarchs, there's really not that many main ones to remember, and this is more of a second cycle thing, but just to provide the link from the patriarchs to the next one, who were the three main patriarchs? It was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And as you know the Bible story then, from Jacob, he has a lot of sons, right? But there's one main son that the story <laughs> focuses on. Which one is that? Joseph. That's Joseph. And where does Joseph take his family? Egypt. Down to Egypt. And then while in Egypt, they become slaves and they cry out to God and God sends them a deliverer. And so what do they do from Egypt? They're going to exit, aren't they? Or they have the exodus. And so the next category would be the exodus. And of course, the book of Exodus is named you know, for that great event. And there are a lot of details in that. But the first cycle, you're just trying to get the outline in mind. So again, the very first category was what? Before the flood, and then the flood, the scattering of the people, the patriarchs, the exodus. Okay, so now we're into the second book of the Bible. And now they'll start, each category will start taking in more of the scripture. So we have the Exodus. And you know the story. God did some amazing things to bring his people out of there. And there are some iconic statements, you might say. Uh, when you know Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, you know, let my people go. And God has to perform, perform like 10 different plagues to get them, to finally to get Pharaoh to where he not only wants them to leave, he drives them out of there. And so they're leaving. And their goal, where, where are they headed to? The promised land. And it's not supposed to take that long. It doesn't work out that way, does it? Because what, what, do, they, what do they really end up not believing? Yeah. Like, really? Those people, we look like grasshoppers, right? And, and they've got these fortified cities, and oh yeah, it's a good land. It's a land flowing with what? With milk and honey. Remember they brought the grapes back and it took two men, you know, one on each end of the, of the big pole to carry a cluster of grapes. And, but that didn't impress them enough for them to really believe that they could take it. And because they didn't believe that God could really give this land to them, 
what did God cause them to have to do? They wandered in the wilderness. And that's our next category, the wandering in the wilderness. And by the way, how long does that last? And just a, a kind of a trivia question, why did God decide on 40 years? That's right. That was one, one of the goals was all you people who didn't believe me, y'all are not going in. Except for how many? Except for two. That's right. The two that believed. They, they could go in. The rest of you people who didn't believe, you're not going in. But there is a reason, a specific reason for the 40, the number 40. God said you're going to wander in the wilderness. Well, let me, let me ask it this way. Then you'll know the connection. When the spies went out to spy out the land, how many days were they over there? Forty. Forty days. So God said you're going to wander one year for every day the spies were over there. That's, that's a pretty hefty punishment. But as was said, the real goal of that 40 years was to eliminate that generation. I mean, God could have done it, of course, in an instant, but that... That, was, was not, that would not have been practical. You've got to raise up another generation. And, and so over a 40-year time, all but those two of that number died out. And so now we have them wandering in the wilderness. Well, thankfully, they don't have to wander forever. Okay? There finally will come a time they can go into the promised land. But it won't be Moses that takes them in. Who will lead them in? Uh, Joshua is going to. And so what Joshua then is, is assigned to do is to invade and conquer the land. So they wandered in the wilderness. The wandering is over. That generation has died out. God says now it's time to go in. And Joshua is the one in charge. And he invade the, the, so it's the invasion and conquering of the land. That's the next category. Well, let's back, back up. What, what was the first one again? Before the flood, the flood, the scattering of the people, patriarchs, the exodus, the wandering in the wilderness, and the invasion and conquest of the land. Okay, so now we've got them in there. We've got them in the land. And this takes, of course, a process of time. God says, I'm not going to drive them all out at one time because God didn't want the animals to take over. He didn't want the land to turn back to a kind of a wild state. And so this is going to happen gradually. And it's also various tests of faith mixed in with that, just similar to when the 12 spies went in, but God wants to know that they believe in it. And so they invade and conquer the land under Joshua's leadership. Well, then Joshua dies, and the elders who served under him, they die. And unfortunately, the people demonstrate what they often did. It didn't take them long till they start turning their back on God. And all throughout the Old Testament history, what would God do when His people turned their back on them? What was often God's way of trying to turn them back toward Him? Okay. Because after all, they didn't drive them all out like He told them to start with. And now they've got pockets of... Canaanites of various shapes and forms, uh, different backgrounds. Uh, they're, they're in the, and so he, he'll let them rise up to power, oppress his people, and finally the people will call out, you know, 
finally gets their attention enough. They call out to God, and God sends them a deliverer, but he doesn't, really doesn't call them a captain. It doesn't call them that. There's another name the Bible uses. Judges. judges. And so the judges were essentially a military deliverer to begin with, and then they were more or less in charge. Now, sometimes it seems they weren't in charge of everybody, but basically they were in charge, and they would judge for a period of time. And you know the history, that, that was repeated over and over. Another kind of a trivia side note here, who was the very first judge? Othniel. Who was the last one? Samuel. Samuel. And a lot of history is covered in between those two. But now in the days of Samuel, they decided they didn't want these judges anymore. What was it the people decide they want? We want a king. We, we looked at the nations round about us and we want to be like they are. We want us a king. And so the next category has to do with the kings, but we don't call it just kings. We need to define it a little bit more. So what we're going to call it is a united kingdom. Now, if you say united kingdom, what does that imply? That's right. That's right. Because if it was just kings, you know, and that was it, we'd just say kings. But there was the united kingdom. Now, thankfully, there aren't many kings to remember under the United Kingdom, I say thankfully. Thankful and, and as far as us remembering, it's sad for them. In fact, how many kings were there? Just three. And two of those were related. One not. Who, so the first one was who? That's Saul, then David, and Solomon. And that's as far as it got. And they, and they each ruled for 40 years. So it wasn't exactly a short time, but it wasn't as long as we might think it would have been. So we have the United Kingdom. Well, unfortunately, the link between the United and the Divided Kingdom, which, of course, next, is Solomon. Because in his old age, who turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord? All those foreign wives that he had married. Now, he had started off marrying foreign wives, but they didn't turn his heart away till later, evidently. But they did. And so the, the result of that, the consequence was, God says, now I'm not going to take the entire kingdom away from you because I made a promise to David. I told David he'd always have a, an heir on the throne. But I'm going to take most of it and I'm going to give it to somebody else. And so from, after Solomon's death, his son, anybody remember his name? Rehoboam. He, he comes in and he is, uh, uses very poor judgment and the people decide... Ten of the tribes, we're not following you. And they picked them a leader. Who was their leader? Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Don't you wish they were a little different names? Rehoboam, Jeroboam. Uh, it's kind of like Elijah and Elisha. It's kind of, you know, keeping them straight kind of makes it a little more challenging. But, but so the divided kingdom. So we had from the judges, the united kingdom, the divided kingdom. Now we've covered a good bit of history. When you think about the divided kingdom, you, I, you, I think about it in my mind. You've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So they're divided. used to be all one. Now they're divided. 
Unfortunately, the northern kingdom, right off the bat, from the first king, Jeroboam, he led the people completely away. Well, he, he led them away from the Lord's way. He, in his mind, did not lead them away from the Lord. Because when he sets up those golden images, golden calves, it is supposedly to represent God. Of course, God had emphatically said, don't you ever do that. Don't ever make anything, any likeness of me. But they did. And not only did He do that, He changed the entire structure of their worship. He changed the priesthood. He just did a lot of things that God was extremely angry about. But that's what happened. And so you've got the northern kingdom, southern kingdom. The northern kingdom immediately starts going astray. It's not too many years that God had had all that that He was going to tolerate and the northern kingdom is going to be taken away. What um, empire takes the northern kingdom? Those Assyrians. They were the most powerful uh, empire of the day. And so the Assyrians come and they take the northern kingdom. Well, they got the northern kingdom that's called Israel. You got the southern kingdom that's called Judah. So when the northern kingdom is taken away, what does that leave Judah? Alone. Judah's alone. Well, Judah manages to survive for about 120 years. And then her own sin and following after idols, and just like the northern kingdom had done, God finally, the Bible says, till there was no remedy. In fact, one of Brother, uh, Brother Waldron's books has that title, Till there was no remedy. And, and so God says, you know, even though Josiah comes along and he was good, and, but no, Manasseh was so bad that God says, there's just no remedy. I'll let you stay a little bit longer, but you're going to be taken into captivity. So all the prophets come along. They're prophesying that. They're telling them that. And so finally, Judah, who's alone, is going to be taken into captivity. Okay. So that's the next category. Well, let's, let's stop a minute. We hadn't, we hadn't backed up lately. So what was the first category? Before the flood, the flood, the scattering of the people, the patriarchs, then the exodus, the wandering in the wilderness, the and, and then the judges, and then the United Kingdom, divided kingdom, Judah alone, and the captivity. Now, we're almost through the Old Testament. When you think about the captivity, it's a sad, it's just sad to me. I remember the first time I had done a real detailed study of, of that. And I was a young man, but so I had just not really studied it, studied it in detail. And, and we had really studied the temple and how you know, just glorious it was and, and how ornate and covered with gold and, and such a revered place. And you look toward this temple and you pray toward this temple and God will hear you. And, and this was the center of their worship. It all was to glorify God. And then you read about these people coming in and stripping the temple bare. They, they are coming into the holy place and the most holy place. And you think, how can God, one, let them come in there? 
But he does, and Ezekiel kind of explains that to us because God's glory had left there. It had left the temple. And so they came in and just leveled, really almost leveled the entire city. They tore down the walls. They, they burned down the temple, burned all the main houses. It was just awful. It's just a sad time to me. And now God's people are taken into captivity, the ones who, who survived. But Jeremiah had made a prophecy. How long did Jeremiah say that captivity was going to last? 70 years. And once the 70 years were over, they would be allowed to do what? To return. And so that's the next category, is the return. And the return takes us all the way to the end of the Old Testament. Uh, The the return um, has great stories in it. We've got people like Ezra and Nehemiah, and we've got uh, Malachi uh, is in there, and and some of the other prophets too. But uh, And so the return... Um, was, was joyous on one level, but sad because they'd be like 50,000 people come back and then, um, I forget the other number, a lot fewer than that come the next time. There were two or three phases of this return. And yet when they came into the promised land, another trivia question. Does anybody remember how many men they counted at Mount Sinai? That were 20 years and up, 603,550. That's a lot of people. And yet when they returned from captivity, about 50,000, if I remember right, somewhere in there. Well, that was sad. But, but at least they're home. They've, they've come back. They've returned. Usually when I get to, to this point, I, I like to uh, point something out in our Bibles you know, when, you, when most Bibles, and yours is probably like that, if you look in your Bible to Malachi, does, does your Bible have one of these? One of these blank pages? Well, I have a lesson that's called the blank page. <laughs> um, anybody want to guess what that blank page represents? Yeah, yeah. the years of silence, that's the next category. The years of silence, and it lasts how long? About 400 years. And I believe it's um, a fulfillment of what Amos prophesied in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, that there'd be a famine, not a famine for you know, food, but a famine for the Word. 400 years. God does not reveal anything by inspiration. Now, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of writings even. But they're not inspired writings. Uh, a lot of great stories and, and a lot of things we can learn in those years of silence that helps us understand some things that are going on in the New Testament. But that's another part of the cycle, uh, not, not this part. And so when we get to the, to the years of silence, we are now ready to go into the New Testament. Now, from a memory standpoint, the New Testament is the easiest because there aren't that many categories. The years of silence is broken by a wonderful event because not John the Baptist. It'd be easy to think John's next. But whose life really breaks the years of silence? The life of Christ. And that's the next category, the life of Christ. Now, his 
that, that category, when you get to the, to the second cycle, is, can be broken easily down to about seven parts. But, that's, but the life of Christ is the main category. One of the things Jesus particularly came to do was to build something. What did He come to build? He come to build a church. But if we call the next category the church, it's sort of like saying after the flood. Because we're still, we're, we're part of the church. And so instead of that, we'll say the early church. Okay, so we've got the life of Christ. Jesus came to build His church. So we'll call the next category the early church. Just meaning, you know, the, up to, through about the first century. We've got the early church. Well, that takes us, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now we have all these other books of the New Testament. And so we put them in one category. And again, those could be broken down. But the simplest way is to say letters to the Christians. Some were letters to individuals. Some were letters to churches. But they were all letters to Christians. And, and so that's the three. So the life of Christ, the early church, letters to the Christians. Okay, that's, that's the three in the New Testament. So let's, let's start back at the beginning. See if we can do all, all 17. What was the very first one? Okay, we got before the flood, flood, the scattering of the people, the patriarchs, the exodus, wandering in the wilderness, invasion and conquest of the land, the judges, the divided kingdom, Judah alone, the captivity, the return, then the years of silence, life of Christ, the early church, and letters to the Christians. So you've gone through the entire Bible. One of the goals of, when you, when you teach this course the way that it's laid out, it's about a 10 to 13 week course. And one of the goals is when you finish it, you can write the story of the Bible on one sheet of paper. And the way you really do that, you're just taking the 17 categories and maybe not just listing the 17, but maybe add, a, add the links in between. You know, before the flood, man, and then man became so wicked that God sent the flood. And then God wanted the people uh, to, for, to fill the earth, but they wouldn't do it, so He scattered the people. And, and then he, God deals with man through patriarchs, the, the head of the families. And the, uh, one of the patriarchs was Joseph, and he takes his family to Egypt where they're put into slavery, and they cry out to God, and then God lets them have the exodus from Egypt. And so you can just keep linking them together like that all the way through, and it helps it to kind of start making sense. Now I want to do something else. When you have them linked together in your mind, you kind of know, well, you've got a timeline. It also helps you to do it backwards. So let's, let's start at the end. If, if the last category is letters to the Christians, well, what happened before that? Had yeah, the early church, who built that? Had the life of Christ. Well, the life of Christ broke what? Years, years of silence. Well, bef <laughs> before the years of silence, God's people were allowed to do what? to return because they had been in captivity. captivity and the people who were captured was because Judah was alone. Before Judah was alone, the 
kingdom was divided, but before it divided, it was united. But before they had kings, they had judges. And, and then before they had those judges, they had to do what to the land? Invade and conquer it. But before they got to invade and conquer it, they had to do some, 40 years. What did they do? Wandered in the wilderness. And then uh, before they wandered in the wilderness, though, they were, they had the exodus from Egypt. But then what brought them to Egypt was one of the, was Joseph, and he was one of the patriarchs. And before God started telling us about the patriarchs, he, he was angry because they, they wanted to stay in one place. So what did God do? Scattered. He scattered the people. And that was right after the flood. And then only thing before the flood was what? <laughs> before the flood. So anyway, if you just link them together, if, if you can in your mind kind of get the story and, and you know one has to follow the other or one has to be before the other, uh, whichever direction you're going. And, and it really helps when then you go into the second cycle and you start putting in the kind of the main points. And, and then it, it's like, okay, now, the, some of the hardest ones will probably be, now what happened? Was this the divided kingdom? Was this during the united kingdom? You know, so uh, you start trying to break, break that down, but you start putting the highlights, the main points in there, and it really helps you get in your mind, you know, when... When one of the prophets would come along, and if a prophet, if part of his message was to prophesy against the northern kingdom, then what category does that have to be in? The divided kingdom. Because that's the only time there was that uh, terminology of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom was after the kingdom divided. Or, and so if, if, if you're reading about Ezra, and he is... He, he is bringing some people back from Babylon. And so what, what time frame does that have to, to fall in? It's got to be in the return. Or if, or if you're reading about the very first sin, when do you know that had to have happened? Had to be before the flood because really what, what caused God to bring about the flood? Was sin, wasn't it? And, and so those things had to have happened before the flood. So all... There's all manner of details like that. If you have the, the outline in mind, then, then it really helps you to, to fill in where that story, that and we love to learn the stories, but sometimes we don't have it in the context that they fit in. Uh, and so it really has helped me. I, I was telling someone earlier, uh, we, we used Brother Waldron's book. Uh, we had a TV program for several years down in South Alabama, and... And uh, we used his books. But before we used his books, we, we taught this, what I'm doing right now. And it really helped. We, we would go back later. That the only class I was ever asked to repeat was this one. And so at some point, uh, I would recommend, maybe you might want to consider doing that as more of a 12, 13-week project. Because it really does help get that Bible story in mind so that, so that when... You know, somebody opens up the Bible and, and they're, they're reading about David prepares to build a temple. I just happened to open mine up. If you're reading about David, what category does that have to be in? That's the United Kingdom. If you read about Saul, if you, um, if you read about um, Othniel, 
then you know. Judges, you know. Now, let's just, we've got, time is almost gone. I almost timed this pretty good, um, which is unusual. Um, when you think about the events that happened before the flood, now, it'd be easy to label that something else. In fact, I think Brother Bob, in his later material, because I, I, he sent this to me years ago, but in his later on, he changes the name. And I thought, oh, Bob, I've learned it this other way. I, I don't want to change the name. But you think about before the flood. What would you say is the major event before the flood? Mm, right, creation. Yeah, I, I would go with, you know, the, it's a little bit broader because a lot of things happen in creation. But creation, that, that's, that's the main one in the beginning. But then we have a lot of firsts then, as you could imagine. It's the beginning. And so we have the first man, first woman. But we also have something they did that was the first. Sin. First sin. And that is a, that is a major just a major fact of life. Sin entered the world. And really the remainder of the Bible, it's all about how God's going to deal with man's sin. But it's, it all happened before the flood. There was some other first. Somebody name another first. Yeah, first murder. Now that was awful. You know, um, and it's interesting that the penalty for murder, we, we normally think, what, what is the biblical penalty for murder? Death. It's death. But at the time of the first murder, that penalty had not been given. Because what, what happened to Cain? Yeah, he was marked, but God didn't take his life. Now, so when you start kind of taking details like that, then we go to the flood. Now, the flood... Of course, the major event, the flood. But there were things that happened when they got off that, out of that ark. And Lord willing, we're going to see the ark, uh, what, two weeks, something like that? Three weeks. Uh, the one in Kentucky. Uh, interesting to see that. But anyway, when they got off the ark, God initiated several things. One was the penalty for capital murder. And so before that, if you look at before the flood, there was no penalty for murder. Now, there were consequences for it, but not a penalty. The God requiring um, if you shed man's blood, then your blood had to be shed. That didn't start till they got out of the ark. Uh, and so those are just kind of little details that, that you put, oh yeah, that, that started being enforced after they got out of the ark, though that would be during the flood. And so on. So all those things are interesting uh, to have a place to put them.